new on Curiosity Stream. With my infrared drone, I can see what others can't. Drone pilot Doug Thrawn uses his bird's eye view for the ultimate good, saving animals from desperate situations around the globe. Join the rescue effort on a new season of Doug to the Rescue. And you captured a Confederate steamboat. We're taking the ship to freedom. An enslaved crew, a stolen vessel, and a Civil War dash to salvation on impossible escapes. Watch now on Curiosity Stream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com. Keep your car looking its absolute best year-round with 303 Cleaners and Protectants. 303's revolutionary graphene nanospray coating gives you professional protection in a simple, easy-to-use formula. It will keep your car's paint protected for up to 12 months and give an insane level of depth and gloss. You can also use their brand new 303 graphene detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine throughout the year. It can even be used for quick cleanups of light dust and fingerprints in between washes. For a one-two punch to keep your car licking its best, look no further than 303's line of graphene products. 303 Graphene Nano Spray Coating to protect and 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine. Both products are available now at Advanced Auto Parts, AutoZone, and select Walmart locations. Visit 303radio.com for more information. Show, the place where WEEI.com's Rob Bradford talks all things that interest him. Some of which you might just want to listen to. So sit back and soak in another episode of the soon-to-be award-winning show a whole bunch of people are talking about. Show. Here's Rob Bradford. Welcome to another edition of the Bradford Show. This is the second one of the Red Sox offseason. Yesterday's was a rousing success. John McDonald, infielder of the Anaheim Angels, Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, breaking down the playoffs, fascinating stuff. Today, also a fascinating guest, a guy who has helped guide me through the entire regular season for the Boston Red Sox in multiple ways, obviously through coverage for the Red Sox, but also through just making me feel like I'm doing the right thing by wearing the excellent clothes that Gould's Distinctive Clothing have afforded me. Uh, and just building me up every step of the way. And now he's the guy going down Route 2, doing, going to the Rotary over, over to Acton to pick up some clothes. Alex Beer, WEI.com. Welcome. Rob, I'm honored to be the Beatrice to your Dante leading you through the, through, the, through, the, uh, through the nine levels of hell and finding on the other side the delights of Gould's distinctive clothing. The weird thing is, when you look at your job description, that's exactly what it says. It says Alex Spear, exactly what you just said. So Good. Yes. Good. Yes. Yeah, I'm glad to be fulfilling it then, even as we enter into the offseason. Uh, so, you know, I, I know you get things to do. Even though even though it's the offseason, we're still going here, there, everywhere. And so we're, we're just going to get right to it in regards to this podcast and Alex, you wrote another fascinating story. Stop the process. Another fascinating story from Alex Spear. And this one is the annual rite of passage, which is what exactly is the Red Sox payroll at? How much money will they spend, have to spend, 
going into the next few months, and you document it all expertly <laughs> on WBI. Death taxes in the Red Sox payroll. Re- it's re- the he- headline is ready to go to market, colon, a look at Red Sox 2015 payroll and spending power. All right, Alex, I'm, I'm going to let you have at it. What is the Red Sox payroll, and what is their spending power? So they have nine guys who are under contract for next year, who are going to be, to whom they're committing. Remember that they operate uh, looking at the average annual value as it's calculated for the luxury tax purposes. They, they like to avoid spending past that, that mark that's set by Major League Baseball. For next year, it's $189 million. They will sometimes spend past it, um, especially coming off of a pretty disastrous season. They, they might have some greater inclination to, uh, to wield some financial muscle, uh, but it's been a few years. The last time they did so was 2011. So anyway, nine players are under contract, and those guys are, are going to receive a combined uh, $96 million, $96, 97000000 million um, as calculated for the luxury tax. Let me just so, stop you right there. So, so yeah. not, nine players on the contract in, at $96 million. And Bef- I'll pick them off. Ortiz, Napoli, Victorino, Buckholz, Pedroia, Alan Craig, Edward Mujica, Rusne Castillo, and Ioannis Cespedes. So before you got into this exercise and you said nine players and mm-hmm. $96 million, either one of those surprise you? I mean, do you obviously have a vague idea of it, but when you get to the $96 million for nine players, did that surprise you at all, even if it's a little less, a little more? Uh, no, I, I think that's about in line with, uh, with what you would have thought for a team that turned over so drastically, uh, both over the course of the season and, you know, with, with anticipation of a lot of free agents. Uh, no, we, we knew for, we've known for a while that the Red Sox we're going to have some considerable financial weight to throw yeah, around this Tom Warner told us that. Yeah, well, I mean, we we started talking about it last offseason when we were trying to when we were noting that the Red Sox very easily could accommodate extensions for Ortiz and John Lester if they wanted to, uh, based on based on how many guys were coming off the book. So they spent down some of the free some of the offseason money they had for. Uh, Castillo, especially, um, but uh, but I mean they have they have a, a pretty uh, a pretty significant amount of financial flexibility. It's not the difference between that one hundred eighty nine million dollars, uh, the luxury tax figure, and the ninety seven ninety six ninety seven million dollars that they have committed, because there are other things that go into calculating their payroll commitments. They have two players who are going to be arbitration eligible in Janichi Suzawa and Daniel Nava. Um, both of whom I think they keep for next year. So that would bring up their commitments just over $100 million when, uh, when, you, when you give them their arbitration raises. Uh, and then they'll also have, my guess is that they're going to have as many as nine spots on their team that are with um, pre-arbitration eligible players. So you're talking about guys like Brock Holt, Xander Bogarts, Mookie Betts, Christian Vasquez, Joe Kelly, Ruby Delarosa, and I think they're probably going to conjure a couple of bullpen guys, maybe like an Alex Wilson and a Tommy Lane uh, or a Brandon Workman uh, could be in that mix. I think that there's a decent chance that they'll also end up with a fifth and, starter. And you don't, you don't think they're going to pick up Breslow's option, $4 million? I don't. I don't. I think that that would be, based on, what, based on his performance of last year, I think that, that would be a considerable overpay. Look. I think that they could try to, try to bring him back, but um, you know, this is a guy who... Uh, you know, who who would just run down at the end. Now he he could have a considerable bounce back, but a four million dollar commitment 
you know, that's 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 the money that they got that they were able to to get a, a closer type for in Mujica last offseason. Well, let me let me go through you about those nine coming back to those nine guys again. Let me yeah. go through what they're going to earn uh, for their AAV next year, and and we can look at it each one and say is this worth it or isn't. Uh, David Ortiz, sixteen million dollars worth it, right? Sure. Napoli, sixty million dollars. You could make that argument if he's healthy, worth it. Yeah, one year, sixteen million dollars. You'd be pretty pumped. Victorino, thirteen million dollars. All dependent on if he's healthy. Yeah, no idea whether or not. I mean, look, when he's when in two thousand thirteen, he was worth twice that. If you you know, kind of based on how you know the value of. You know the valuable win, as you know, as calculated by wins above replacement, he was worth like twenty six million dollars in two thousand thirteen. Uh, this year, he was worth, you know, almost nothing because he was almost never on the field. Um, so it's there's a pretty wide pendulum swing. Buckhold seven point seven five uh, worth it just for the potential. Yeah, and you know, on a one year eight million, would you take Buckles on a one year eight million dollar contract? Which is for AAV purposes, that's how it's calculated. He'll actually earn twelve million bucks next year, but you would actually you would certainly bet on him for one year eight million dollars. That's still a good contract. Sure, uh, Dustin Pedroia thirteen point three. That's the going rate for a healthy Dustin Pedroia. Well, I mean, that's you know, that's less than the going rate for a healthy Dustin Pedroia. Um, so as long as he's, I mean, I thought that that would be that was a fair. He, his earnings were he, he played up to his contract this year, quite honestly, uh, even with all the injuries. As an average offensive player who's a spectacular defensive player, he's worth more than $13 million a year. And Alan Craig, 6.66. Uh, that's, that's not an omen. Uh, yeah. $6.66 million for next year. I, not not worth it because you're, you're committing to $6.66 million for such an uncertainty um, you for a, a duplication at a position probably would want to allocate that somewhere else. Ideally, maybe, maybe. Yeah. I mean, look. If you tell me, if you know, I ask you this: Would you rather bet on in left field, Yoannis uh, Cespedes, who's uh, who's nine million bucks, has platoon splits, has some uh, potential to be exposed as an OBP guy, um, you know, but has amazing raw power, uh, has a chance to be Nelson Cruz, you know. Um, or the Craig and Nava combination is going to cost less than that. Uh, hypothetically, that could be, you know, in, in, this, in this world that we live in where platoons are very much in vogue for a good reason. We saw one of those reasons in 2013 with Gomes and Nava. Um, you know, if Alan Craig is anything close to what he'd been uh, in 2011 through 13, then that's a huge win for the Red Sox. And that's a, and Alan Craig from 2011 to 2013, I I would maintain is a better player than Yoana Cespedes has been from 2011 from 2012 to 2014. We just don't know. There's a large degree of performance variability. It's hard to predict. But I would, you know, if you're the Red Sox, would you would you entertain bringing Craig back? I, I think. Yeah, I well, think, yeah. They, they're kind of hamstrung, and I don't know how much choice they have. And six point six million dollars. I would say, to be perfectly honest with you, I would say I would take Cespedes. And, and we understand the flaws of Cespedes and use Nava as kind of the fail-safe and, um, and still in that outfield. But Craig, just between earlier this year and what he ended up at, is just such a, an enormous risk. I don't think that you can have the luxury of coming into the year with that sort of uncertainty because you already had that sort of uncertainty this year and it was so disastrous. 
Yeah, I mean, if you're going to analogize Alan Craig to to Grady Sizemore, I, I guess that uh, I guess that well, you know, you I, well, I mean, I mean, listen, I I was when they made the trade, I said, yeah, look, he he's hit all his life. He said he hit all the way up until the end of last year when he got hurt. Yeah. Um, but from what we saw in the last portion, it, it was so striking, and, and I think with Alan Craig, a big thing is. Is is he going to be able to play in Boston? And that seems like a cliche, hyperbole, or whatever. But the more people you talk to who know him well, this is one of the things that seems to really have affected him, right? So Joe Kelly comes here and comes to Boston, and he embraces the switching the organization. He's an outgoing guy. He's like, I'm going to show this trade was good. And we've seen it with guys before, Alex. Guys who switch organizations for the first time, it affects them in different ways. And I clearly think, even if it was maybe just for that sample size, that Alan Craig was one of those guys. Sure, I, and you know, I, I think that I think there was probably there there were probably a lot of things going on in making his year just a, a ruinous one. Um, you know, whether or not uh, whether or not that was um, that portended who he's going to be going forward, I, I would I, I think it's somewhat premature to draw conclusions. But if you're the Red Sox. You know, and there's a and there's an opportunity to move on from his salary. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they took it. Yeah, I just don't know how that's going to happen. Um, yeah. Edward Mujica, four point seven five million uh, off of how he pitched in the second half. I would say worth it. Yeah, sure, absolutely. Uh, Ruzne Castillo, ten point three six million. Who knows? TBD. <laughs> yeah, yeah who, TBD. Who, who knows? Um, Cespedes, $9 million, uh, I would say. We, Absolutely reasonable. Yeah, Absolutely reasonable, reasonable. But, but, you know, it, but again, I mean, we've talked about this maybe not on this podcast, but we talked about which one of these guys are going to trade. And I think we're both on board of saying Betts is a really good fit and Cespedes is a flawed player. Uh, I think we both agree that Cespedes might be the one you could explore for a trade. The problem is, I don't think, I think we both agree also that they probably won't go down that road because the skill set just is such that they aren't going to hang on to a guy like that. I think that they, you know, yeah, I think that you have to be flexible with a guy like that, quite frankly. And, you know, you need to kind of see what the, how the market values him, what you're able to get back, and where your needs lie. And, you know, if he, if he helps you turn a, an area of roster redundancy, which the outfield has become, uh, Sam Kennedy, the Red Sox COO, described, uh, described it to me as the, quote, excess of, uh, of outfielders, um, then, uh, you know, if he, if he gives it, Trading him can give you a better roster than you do it. Uh, you don't cling to the guy just because of the scarcity of power in the game. You know what's striking about this the list of the big nine is that there's one starting pitcher, one starting pitcher, yeah. and, and we've talked about that before, even before Lester left, which is how much you have allocated to the starting rotation, and even if you can still go out and sign a guy like Lester at twenty million something a year, and you be in still good shape. So, uh, so how do you think? Seeing what this, how it, the landscape is, at, what was it, 97, 97 committed? Yeah, 97 in guaranteed money. All right, so in your mind, your opinion, where did they allocate? How does the pie get broken up here? Well, first of all, I think it's worth explaining. So what I was getting into, uh, what I was getting into was giving a picture of, uh, of, you know, of where, of how much free free money they, how much money they have uh, to spend before they get up to that luxury tax threshold. So you have... You know, you basically have, in terms of player commitments, 
probably about $105 million, $106 million that's, uh, that's committed. Um, and then there are other things that factor into, uh, into what their payroll is up to the luxury tax, for instance. The $3.9 million going to the Dodgers this year. Uh, 40 guys on the 40-man roster who are in the minors. Uh, there's $12.5 million roughly in medical benefits that every team has to pay, and that calculates, that uh, counts against the luxury tax. So the overall picture is that the Red Sox probably have about $52 million to spend uh, if, they don't, if they don't start removing guys. Now, if they deal with Cespedes, that goes up. And that also assumes that, they, that they're keeping about a $10 million nugget for in-season alterations, whether that's trades, whether that's signing, uh, signing maybe a, another player from Cuba in the middle of the season uh, who would be able to... Uh, you know who you got. You, you got to have the you got to have the Cuban fund. There's, right. there's going right. to be another Cuban to sweep on in. Probably. So anyway, the Red Sox right now, without removing players from their roster, probably have about fifty-two million dollars to spend if they're going very conservatively. Uh, if they uh, if they decide that they want to take a more aggressive spending approach, you know maybe deal one of Craig or Cespedes if they can find a taker, or even Victorino, um, and then you know and then spend down some of the in season. Some of the in-season nugget, then you know you're looking at a team that could have that could take on about sixty-five or seventy million dollars in salary this offseason. So, if you look at again, if you come back to it, yeah. um, how do you think they're going to break this up? Uh, well, I think TBD because they're still waiting. <laughs> We've said TBD more than we should. I apologize. I hate acronyms. LOL. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, the, we're looking at FWIW. You know, Yes, there we go. Uh, I don't even think I know what that means. For what um, it's worth. Thank you. That's no, I, I'm kidding. That's, I'm when kidding. I, that, that's, when I, well, that's when I tweet something, and I'm not sure it's interesting enough to stand on its own. Yeah, yeah. It's like, this might, this might be crap, but you know, <laughs> yeah. here it goes. It's 140 characters. Get over yourself. Um, so, uh, so how do I think it gets broken up? I mean, I would be surprised if they didn't end up signing one of Lester or Shields. I just find it very difficult to imagine uh, that they are going to that uh, they are going to be willing. I, I think that there's a consensus inside of the organization that they need to add at least two solid pitchers from outside the organization. And I think that I, I have yet to hear the person inside the organization that thinks that Buck Holtz uh, slash Kelly can be viewed as anything more than like the third and fourth best starters uh, on next season's staff if they want to be good. So, you know, I think that, you know, I, my guess is that they, they sign either Lester or Shields uh, that they make a trade for another guy who might cost a little bit less, um, you know, in terms of what his salary will be for next year, uh, but who would still be uh, who would still be pretty good. And you know, they're they're kind of also at a point where they're going to have to start moving some of these prospects rather than just hoarding the assets. Particularly as uh, some more guys are going to have to go into the forty-man roster this coming offseason. Um, so uh, I think that you know, two starting pitchers clearly they have to do that. Uh, I, I think that they, you know, that they're probably going to re-sign Koji Uehara. Um, I think that it's not going to be for the qualifying offer. I think that his uh, late-season struggles might give enough pause that you know they'll they'll be able to come in under the qualifying offer figure. Um, they'll need one more reliable bullpen arm. Uh, maybe that's Baden Hop. Maybe it's going to be a lefty whom they view as being a, a reliable performer uh, over the long haul because. Uh, in the guys who we were mentioning as uh, as likely pieces for next year's team, uh, you know, who do, who do we think? You know, who are their lefties right now? It's Tommy Lane and, and Drake Britton if they don't uh, if they don't exercise the Breslow option. So, um, you know, they they could use 
they could use an established lefty in the uh, in the bullpen. I think Andrew Miller is, is too far for them. Uh, that guy, I think, could get a four-year guarantee, and that's that's not those are not the waters that the Red Sox like to swim in for relievers. Um, and so then you also need a third baseman. Uh, I think they'll have to aim pretty high there. Now, the interesting thing that was mentioned was Buster Olney uh, raising the suggestion that the A's could be open to dealing Josh Donaldson. That gets into pretty interesting terrain. Um, maybe they'll trade Donaldson for Cespedes. No, I'm <laughs> kidding. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but that you know that could transform. Even though Donaldson is right-handed, and they're all and they're already too right-handed. Uh, Donaldson would get into an area of particular intrigue, I think. Um, but you know, otherwise, the obvious fits are the free agents: Pablo Sandoval and uh, and Chase Headley. Uh, Sandoval, I think they would have to trade some of the money that they have guaranteed in order to be able to accommodate him. Um, Headley, I think they could uh, they could fit, but the Yankees are probably going to uh, make a decent push to re-sign him, and then a backup catcher. You know, and they would like it to be left-handed, but I don't. I don't really see that guy out there. Yeah, let's let's just play the game. If you, if you go out and you sign a John Lester or a little lesser, a James Shields even, and then you go out and try to sign a Sandoval, as much as they say they have all this money, there goes your money. Right? Yeah. I yeah, mean, I mean, that's that's a large chunk of it. Let's assume that that would take up $40 million of your uh, of your nugget of, flex, of your flexibility. That leaves you with $12 bucks to address, you know, a second starter, uh, a backup catcher, um, and uh, in those bullpen spots. Yeah, I mean, we, and just to make people understand and, and remember how dicey it can get when you get to the end of that payroll or end of that budget. Remember the Cody Ross scenario where they basically had to get rid of Marco Scudero, right? To, sure. To sign, to sign Cody Ross to a $3 million contract. Yeah. And so, you know, that's, that's how payroll calculations work. And, you know, they're, you're given a budget entering the year. And again, some of that is, is you're, you're kind of defining your budget in order to give yourself that in-season flexibility um, it can be very valuable, but uh, but yeah, they they will be you know they're at, at a certain point uh, they'll be faced with choices and included in those choices is uh, dealing some of the guys they have. Yeah, I know you got to get going, but what this I take the takeaway from this, and this is awesome. I think it, it offers a great picture for it, and every other reporter is going to be ripping this off left and right throughout the off season. But it, it, it what it also does you we talked about the nine guys and the commitment to the starting pitching. And you said you think they're going to go after the Shields and the Laster and maybe make a trade and how they don't feel confident with Buckholtz and Kelly being anything more than three and four. Boy, you know, that's a dicey proposition when you're saying we have to get one of those guys and it, it can get expensive uh, either in paying the money. It's going to get expensive in terms of giving up prospects. That is not an easy thing to do to go into the offseason saying we have to acquire one way or the other the top two guys in our rotation. Yeah, I mean, and there are ways that they can do it without signing Lester or Shields. They could, for instance, trade for a top of the rotation guy and then sign, let's say, a kind of second tier free agent like a Brandon McCarthy or a. Yeah, uh, or but, a but you know what? But yeah, but to me, it, I mean, that you, hard, that's, that's, yeah. that's Buckholz is better than either one. I, I would put Buckholz ahead of either one of those guys. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I don't know Buckholz, you know, maybe No, I know. I mean, listen, yeah. listen, Buckholz and Kelly both they're both question marks, but when you get into McCarthy and Liriano, number one, you're going to give multi-year contracts to guys who are probably I I I think are probably middle to back of the rotation guys. 
you were still looking at the top of the rotation. And this is a conversation for another time. This is the conversation for the hot stove show, which will kick off, I believe, on October 30th. Alex, kick, 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 kick. yes, yes, exactly. But I, this is a great exercise just because it, it gets us thinking about it. It is it's going to be not only a fascinating offseason, but I think more daunting than people are, are really understanding and letting on just because all the reasons we had talked about. F-W-I-W. Uh, I agree. Yes, or this just in, colon, or uh, breaking, colon, or, you know, anything that I want to distract from the un- insecurities of my tweets, absolutely. Speaking, <laughs> speaking of tweets, uh, at Alex Spear, at Alex Spear, S-P-E-I-E-R, on Twitter. And, uh, Alex, I know you get a run, so I will uh, talk to you later, and I appreciate it. Thanks, Rob. New on Curiosity Stream. From time to time, we have collisions between asteroids and the Earth. We track them, we study them, we hope the big one never comes. Don't look up, it's Asteroid Rush. And alligators. They rarely get sick, they even outlasted the dinosaurs. Could they hold the secret to human longevity? Their blood could have antibacterial applications. Wade into the investigation on immortal alligators. Watch now on Curiosity Stream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com. Keep your car looking its absolute best year-round with 303 Cleaners and Protectants. 303's revolutionary graphene nano-spray coating gives you professional protection in a simple, easy-to-use formula. It will keep your car's paint protected for up to 12 months and give an insane level of depth and gloss. You can also use their brand-new 303 graphene detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine throughout the year. It can even be used for quick cleanups of light dust and fingerprints in between washes. For a one-two punch to keep your car licking its best, look no further than 303's line of graphene products. 303 Graphene Nano Spray Coating to protect and 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine. Both products are available now at Advanced Auto Parts, AutoZone, and select Walmart locations. Visit 303radio.com for more information. The difference between an agent and a Realtor is real. Realtors have the expertise to find exactly what you need and the ethics to do the right thing, even when it's the harder thing. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. That's who we are. 